0: Let's turn to John 17 again. I've been looking at this for several, uh, for a couple of Wednesday nights as we're getting close to thinking about the, the work of Christ and redeeming our our souls, forgiveness of sins. But I don't want to just look at that work and in, in its, uh, its functional or, or, or how it takes place. I wanted to first get there by looking at the heart of Jesus. And John 17 shows us Jesus' heart for His people. This is a, this is a very, very special passage. Um, I, I, every time I've gotten up to talk about it, I just feel like I'm standing on holy ground. It's just, um, I know that I will not be able to, to get all of what's here. But what little I see is, is um, it, just, it just causes my soul to, to, to fly above the mud of this earth a little bit. And that's where we're supposed to be looking. Um, we're supposed to set our affection on things above. Uh, To fix our gaze on things above, not on things on the earth, according to Colossians chapter 3. And if eternal life is to know God and to know, to experience Jesus Christ our Lord, then it's no wonder that Paul prayed this prayer. This is Paul's prayer, that I might know him. Paul desperately wanted to know more of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Well, we, we, we pray that sort of prayer a lot. Lord, help us to know you more. Um, but but part, of, part of knowing someone, part of becoming um, closer in communion with someone is to know what they're like and to know how they think and what they think of you. So John 17 is a very important place to see how Jesus, what Jesus thinks about you. You know, we get tripped up in our imaginations about that, don't we? Um, we hear all the time that uh, that by nature we we believe in a work salvation, and so um, if you if you if you by nature are believing in a work salvation, you're going to have a truncated, messed up view of Jesus. Uh, you're going to see Jesus as somebody who's standing, you know, gazing over you, um, you know, with a with a a, a a harsh look, just looking for any any error, any mistake, any smudge. Or if you have just a very small view of Jesus, you think, well, we can just get by with anything. Uh, It doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't care. Um, But this this view of Jesus Christ is a very, very, very precious and important view of Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus thinks of you. If you are the elect, if you are one of his, if you're chosen in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this passage tells you how uh, uh, of Jesus' demeanor towards you, even right now. So by faith believe this child of god so we're going to look at verses 9 through 19 we might not make it all through that tonight i don't know but we're gonna start in verse 9 and remember so far we've talked about this is jesus praying to the father asking the father to to give him the glory that he had really earned that he might return that glory to the father and share that glory with his people amazing request Give me the glory. I want the glory that I had before the world was. I want the glory that I have accomplished through my work. And I want to share that glory with those whom I love. And I want to return that glory to you. I want to shine the light back on you. Well, that's sort of what uh, Jesus has talked about through the first eight verses. And he talks about how, listen, I have earned this. You know, I, I have manifested your name. I have done the work that you asked me to do. I have... Capture your word, now glorify me. I've manifested your name into the people whom you've given me. I've given them the words you gave me. And then in verse 9, it takes a little bit of a turn, but it's a very closely connected uh, turn. So he's asking for glory in the first nine verse the first eight verses. And he's continuing to ask for glory in the next verses. But we're going to see here that Christ asking for glory, as we said before, is not a selfish request. But Christ is... Deeply, deeply, deeply invested and interested and concerned about your good. He is very concerned about your well-being. Do you believe that tonight? Jesus Christ is deeply concerned about your well-being. Personally concerned. Is that amazing? Is that amazing to you? The God who made this earth cares as deeply as we're going to begin to see here about you here's how it starts verse nine amazing words i pray for them i pray for them now he's speaking in firstly about the apostles here he's going to go on to say i'm not just praying for them but i'm praying for all those whom you have given me who are not even yet okay so you're included in this believe that you are included in this. Jesus Christ, and by the way, at this moment is shortly before he will experience his great trial where he will be uh, brought to the brink and then carried over the brink where he will be so exhausted in Gethsemane, he will sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. He will go to the cross and not even be able to bear his own cross, have to have it, have it borne for him. He will be agonizing in getting the word out of the cross. You know of the sufferings of Christ. Christ, in preparation for that, is concerned about you. I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. In this text message world, I sometimes shudder at my texts. I think you know what I'm talking about. We get all kinds of requests. And so the easy thing to write is to write praying for you. And just say, Lord, help me to not, to not lie about that. And so I'm going to pray right now. And hope I don't forget about it again. And oftentimes I forget about it. I have to be reminded again. Oh I forgot to pray for them. I maybe prayed one time. I forgot to pray for them. This is not what's happening here. Jesus is not just saying. I'm praying for them. Lord bless everybody. In fact he's very specific. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for them. Okay. Very specific. And so what this. I want to say a few things about Christ's prayer for us. What this harkens back to. So it harkens back to some scenes in the Old Testament. Do you remember when, the, when, when, uh, when God set up the, the law service and he set up the, uh, the, the priests who were the mediators between God and the people and even the priests' garments were, were meaningful and significant. So the priests had this breastplate. There are other things that show this too. They had this breastplate and on the breastplate, which, which was at their breast, at their heart, right there in the center of their, of their, of their being, close to their heart was written was written all the names of the tribes of Israel think about that to show that this is not just some work that we're doing but this is close to the heart in other words we are invested in this work of offering atonement and bringing forth praises that God might be pleased with the people God might be propitiated and God might bless the people That that this is a love thing and so the priest garments, some of the priests were, were scalawags. Right? Nadab and a bihu. They cared nothing about the people. But they were but even the best of them were only some slight picture of what Jesus would be like. Jesus is the great high priest who Hebrew says is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Not touched by the legitimacy of the feelings. <laughs> Not touched by how significant they really are compared to somebody else's feelings. Not Well, that's just a, that's just a, a paper cut and, have, and they have cancer. But Christ is touched with the feelings that you have in relation to the infirmities that you're experiencing. That's how close this is. So when it says, I pray for them. No, he's praying from a heart of deep love. And deep concern for his people. Far more than just the priests were picturing with the names written close to their heart. You are actually close to the heart of Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Now, here's the next thing we see from this passage. This prayer is motivated by Christ's love for his Father. Listen to them, I pray for them, move to the end of the verse. I pray for them. I pray for them which thou hast given me for they are thine. Why am I praying for them? Because Lord because Father, they're yours. They're yours, Father. So we see a picture of this, this love between the Trinity and this commitment that Christ has to the glory of his Father. Father, I'm praying for them. I'm going to invest in them because they belong to you. They're yours, Father. Okay? That's just a sweet thing to notice. And then think about this. Christ's prayer is intercession. He's interceding for us. And... Uh, think about how differently, how different Christ's intercession is in comparison to ours. Um, we are praying based upon God's mercy, God's goodness, and that's all we have to go on. Lord, we bring this request before you because we trust that you're merciful. We ask your will to be done, and we ask you to do what you think is right. And, Father, we have no claims. Um, Habakkuk, pray this, Lord, in wrath remember mercy. That's all you can go, based on, right? And that's a powerful way to go. But, friends, Christ's intercession to the Father is based on something far more powerful than what we can come with. Even in our most pure prayers. Sometimes they're just selfish. Lord, we just want this. But Christ's prayers are based upon what Christ has won. This is the the message of Romans 8, right? Where he says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again. So I'm claiming, Christ would say, they're not condemned because I died and I rose again. So Christ's prayer for His people is based upon what Christ has won. In other words, Christ's prayer is powerful. Christ's prayer is effective. It's effectual. It's based upon His successful work. It's also, listen to the thing about this, He's one with the Father. Christ's prayer for us is prayed with the knowledge of God's will. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to have that? Wouldn't you love to be able to pray according to the will of God at all times? Well, Christ's prayer is in perfect knowledge of God's will. So Christ is not praying anything amiss for you. And so Christ's prayer is pure. Brother Zach preached to us Sunday from James 4 that starts off with people aren't getting their prayers answered. And the reason they're not getting their prayers answered is because their prayers are selfish in nature. They're not pure. They're not for the glory of God. They're not brought in faith. They're only brought to consume it upon our own desires. It's just, Lord, I'm just coming to you because I see you as a a desire filler. But Christ's prayers are pure for us. So think about some of the prayers that Christ prayed for his people. Prayers like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Peter I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Isn't that wonderful? Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith will not fail. And by the way, Peter, your faith will not fail. And here's how I know. Because I'm praying for you because you belong to the Father. And the Father is a covenant-making God. And here's what... This is just kind of get off a fill here, but just think about bit. Here's what the new covenant says. Yeah. Hebrews chapter eight, three things. The new covenant says the Father has said this. The Father said, "I will put my law into your mind, and I will write your law upon your my law upon your heart." That's one thing. I'm going to write my law there. Peter, you won't finally fail. I'm going to write my law into your heart. I'm going to make you love my law. So Peter, you will repent. The second thing he says is this. I will be to you a God. And you shall be to me a people. There's going to be a personal knowledge here. There won't be anybody needing to, to teach you to know God. And he can teach you about God, but teach you to know God. something that God does. I'm going to make you come to know me. And the third thing is, and your sins and your iniquities, I will never remember again. Isn't that wonderful? So Peter, here's your hope. A covenant-keeping God will forgive your sins. A covenant-keeping God will be to you, God. He will not break the relationship. And that covenant-keeping God will write His law into your mind, Peter. He's going to put it on your mind. He's going to write it upon you. He's written it upon your heart. He will be to you a God. What a powerful prayer. What a powerful prayer Christ prays. He prays for Peter's faith to not fail. And we can think about other prayers that Christ prayed as well that are just so pure. They're right. They're for our greatest good. Don't you need Jesus interceding for you that your faith would not fail. He said, brother, my faith is weak. I know it's weak. But Christ is interceding for you. Hallelujah. But here's the next thing to notice in this last thing i about this verse is this is a selective prayer. Let me tell you, this is this brings out a very important doctrinal point. Christ is not equivocating here. I am praying for them. Who? Those that are thine. I'm not praying for the world. So, this is important. Jesus is not conflicted regarding his will, his desires, is he? Jesus' full desires are towards those who the Father gave him. He's not also praying for those who the Father did not give to him. Isn't that something? I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them by name. (laughs) Peter, I've prayed for you and you and you. He's got a big breastplate. (laughs) He can write all the names. And he's praying individually, but he's only praying for those who are in this covenant. Brothers and sisters, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you know Him, if you're trusting in Jesus today, you go, Lord, (laughs) my only hope, my only hope is that Jesus Christ is a Savior for sinners and He's interceding for me. It's not about you, so it doesn't make you special. It does in a way, but it doesn't make you special intrinsically. But you are special. If Jesus is praying for you, you are in a special, special, special spot. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anything that's happened Monday, so Sunday night through Wednesday in your life that you needed to hear this, what you just heard tonight, to reflect on that, to give, to give sense to that? I guarantee the answer is yes. I guarantee it's yes. Just to know that Jesus is praying for me. All right, let's move on. What a, what an incredible truth! All right, verse ten. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. <laughs> I just love that. I I, I, can't, I can't help but when I see, I don't know why my crazy mind does this, but when I see this, uh, <laughs> when I see see this verse, I always think about that movie: Yours, Mine, and Ours. It's the one where they try to, to blend blend all the families, <laughs> um, and that was, that was a tough deal. I mean, you know, to, to blend all those things together, but that's not how it is with, with the father and the son. It, they're fully one in this. Lord, these are yours. So all that I have belongs to you, and all that you have belongs to me, and we are fully united. Fully united, the father and the son. This is what John ten says. You can't pluck them out of my Father's hand. I love Jesus' his fierceness there. My Father is greater than all. And you sure ain't going to pluck them out of my hand either. I love that. They're one. The Father, the whole Godhead is one in His commitment to you. That's amazing. Now here's the next phrase. This may blow your mind even more. It should if, if, if you can really see yourself. Listen to this. And I am glorified. In them, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Let, let me say it again. Christ is asking for glory this chapter, right? And here's what he says: I get glory through them. What? Through through them? Through these sinners? There these people who need to go to church again on Wednesday because they're so sat from, already from two days, of, uh, three days of living. <laughs> they need something to refresh their souls. Can we be stronger than that? He's glorified in them. How is Christ glorified in them? Well, Christ is glorified. Here's how he's glorified in them. Christ is glorified by his work of redemption being accomplished in us. So here's what, here's what I'm saying about, about that. Anybody can die and claim to forgive sins. But if you, by faith, believe and have experienced the reality of the forgiveness of sins, and you have walked in the power and the freedom and the release of what it means to lay aside the burden of your sins and place them at the cross of Jesus Christ, then Christ has been glorified in your life. Have you ever done that? Has there ever been a moment when sin is pressing deep upon you, and you say, I cannot go one step further. I'm a failure. And Jesus whispers sweet peace to your soul to the reminding that I am a, you're a great sinner, but I have a great Savior. And you've gotten up to walk again in newness of life. And you face those challenges and temptations with victory. And Satan has been defeated once again in the effort to thwart your faith. I want you to know Jesus Christ has been glorified in you because the work of redemption has been accomplished in you and it's evidenced by the victory that you've walked in. Isn't that amazing? You go, I, I, how can Christ receive glory from me? That's how. You see, we, 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 we think, I think we tend to think that Christ has to receive glory in us by some huge production. And that's not how it works. Christ receives glory by his work of redemption being accomplished in us. Christ receives glory glory by regeneration being accomplished in us. By this new affection and this new heart and and this new turn, these new desires. And Christ receives glory by the ongoing work of sanctification in our lives. So what that means practically is it means that every time you are blessed to repent, Christ is glorified. And every single time you are in despair, but eventually you're able to go to sleep saying, Lord, if I perish, I perish, but I'm in your hands. Christ is glorified. Not real glamorous, is it? But it's more than you can imagine. Because all the world cannot do this. But those whom Christ has redeemed and given new life to and sanctified are doing these otherworldly things. These things... That angels dream of and long to look into these things that the powers of the world cannot do. But if you are able to walk in the mind and the spirit of Christ, you are glorifying Jesus Christ. Every time you've ever been comforted by the hope of the resurrection, Christ is glorified. Every time that you sorrowed but with hope, Christ has been glorified. Every time that in faith you have not succumbed to temptation, Christ has been glorified. Every time you've forgiven not because it was deserved, but because God has forgiven you in Jesus Christ, Christ has been glorified. Every time you've brought your doubts and fears to the truth and believed the truth instead of your doubts and fears, Christ has been glorified. Isn't that amazing? You go, I I think he deserves something bigger and better. Friends, that's huge. It's huge for sinners who know not God to be brought to know God and to give praise and honor and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Four more minutes and we'll close. Well, I'm going to close there because this next section... Ah, This next section, 11 through 19. And let me tell you what it is. Well, I'll read one verse. I love this. It'll set the flavor for the rest. And so what what it is is Christ knows he's about to go back to heaven. Christ knows of the coming of the Spirit. But Christ was not just fake invested for 33 years. He wasn't just serving his time and ready to get out. When Christ was here, in, in person, as a man, as the God-man, he really did care about Peter. He really did care about the Syrophoenician woman. He really did care about the woman at the well. And he cared about their, their, their souls. He cared about their bodies. He cared about their, their, their hunger. So he was a caring, caring, present individual. And he's going to go away now. But his concern and his care don't go away. Listen to what it says. And now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world. And I come to thee. So what's the next thing? Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. So not we'll stop right there. So you, see, you see what he's saying? He said, I, I was here and I kept them. But I'm going away. So Holy Father, I'm asking you, please continue to keep them. Isn't that something? And we're going to see how he, as we move down, we'll see how he knows that we need to be kept. I love that. <laughs> it's not enough to say, keep them. He also says, and, and they need, they need, they need a, their bottle at 9 o'clock. <laughs> they need to have their diaper changed right now. They need to have their favorite sound machine uh, right here. And they need, they need, uh, they need uh, oatmeal in the morning to see what's healthier. Right? But but I don't want you to hear desperation here or weakness here. It's just love. It, it really touched me. I was reading this today. The sister Teresa texted me. She was telling me about uh, Buddy and... and um, he was able to talk to his family. and She said that, um, you know, kind of the last words to his family and his children, and he said that through tears, he told them three things. Take care of your mother. Tell your children about God. And pray for your children. What three better things could you tell? Isn't that something? You see, you see, he's telling them that because he's going away and he won't be able to influence that the same way anymore Christ is not like that he's going away he knows what we need he tells the father what we need but not because the father didn't know he's just so invested and he knows that the Father is going to send the spirit to do these very things but, remember, we're just looking at the heart of Jesus. Do you need to know that about Jesus tonight? The heart of Jesus is that even though he knows all the future, knows, and knows all the past, knows all the, all the parts of how all this works, still these words leave his mouth. Father, I'm going away. So please keep them. Please take care of them. Please watch over them. Just like I kept them while I was in the world. Now, has has Jesus kept his people well? Yes, he has. Having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. I, I told you I couldn't do justice to it. It's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff to see John 17, the heart of Jesus, for you, child of God.